Hi, I'm Lizelle. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Women Who Startup Radio, a show about innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. Today we're talking with Julie Nervelli. She's the founder of Winking Girl Foods. She's getting ready to scale and take her company to the next level. So Julie is like the consummate, you know, serial entrepreneur. We we sometimes get t- we sometimes talk to like reluctant entrepreneurs on the show, but she's the total opposite. Grown up in an entrepreneurial family, she was born to be an entrepreneur, and yet really comes has this you know very sweet, nice, and yet confident way about her. Uh, you would never know what a badass entrepreneur she is. It's a calm. It's a cool, collected cucumber, if you ask me. She's pretty cool and collected. And she has super cool hair. I'm Julie Nervelli, and I am the chief executive daredevil of Winking Girl Foods. Julie showed up armed with a bunch of jars of salsa. A whole case of her awesome Winking Girl Foods salsa. It's a really cool looking jar, white label, but with this awesome image of a winking girl. And I just want to be this winking girl. So all my salsas are tomatillo based and I'm the only company in the country that just makes tomatillo salsa. Nobody does that. It's everybody makes red and then they might have one flavor of tomatillo. So I have five different flavors of tomatillo salsa. I'm looking at like the chipotle jar, the cranberry mango jar. I've got medium. This is maybe not the most compelling thing. (laughs) Mild, medium, hot, cranberry mango. And the chipotle is my personal favorite. Mine is more of a subtle smoke. You really get a lot of other flavors along with this little bit of smoky flavor. Winking Girl Foods right now is a startup that's just about to take off. She and her assistant run the show. I have myself and an assistant who basically run the whole business. Okay, but like, how big is your team? It's like, oh, well, I've got... She's got national distribution. Sales and marketing people. Outsource manufacturing. Business development folks, consultants, contractors. She has a ton of products. Relationships with Whole Foods. You can find Winking Girl Salsa pretty much in every single Whole Foods around the country. She's distributed in over 2,000 stores. She is ready to scale. Winking Girl Foods is about fun, simple, delicious, clean food. I do have a passion, especially now that I'm a mother, for clean ingredients, and that's really important to me, and I'm committed to doing that. The salsas are gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan. They're paleo-certified for the paleo crowd out there. Not only is she different in the marketplace, it's delicious, it's clean. So the salsas are made in Louisville, so um, very local, and the tomatillos come from Mexico because that's where the best tomatillos are grown. The cilantro that we use comes from the Pacific Northwest. It is, I think I shouldn't even say this, it's the secret weapon of my recipes is that cilantro is so amazing. Winking Girl Foods is about Julie's evolution, about making salsa, being fun, being optimistic, culture input. I was born and raised in Northern California in the Bay Area, and I moved to San Luis Obispo to go to Cal Poly, slow, and lived there for about 13 years in total. I was learning how to cook, you know, Mexican food. Started learning how to cook basic Mexican food. She started with tortillas. My boyfriend, who was Hispanic, his mom had taught me how to make homemade flour tortillas and beans and rice. Then Julie discovered green salsa. I went to a party and 
They had green salsa there and I'd never had green salsa before and I just loved it. And she said, what the heck is this? How do I make it? And wanted to learn how to make it herself. Cooking is not my thing. But that green salsa was really intriguing to me. So I went home and started messing with recipes and seeing what I could do with tomatillos. My Hispanic boyfriend, he was really excited about it and so convinced me to take the salsa to the family gathering. And his family just adored her. Well, we had such a great relationship, his family and I, and I was always the only Weta, white girl, at all these family gatherings. And um, we just, they would tease me all the time. We had a great relationship. We put the salsa on the table and everyone's anxious to try it. It's kind of like showing up at someone that you're dating's Italian mom's house and having been encouraged to show up with your version of meatballs. Well, yeah, I think we need to be clear that, you know, Julie really is a white girl oh, yeah. who just got immersed into Hispanic culture. They start tasting it and they go crazy and the bowl is empty immediately in like 10 minutes. Oh, it's actually quite good. And they all loved it so much. And they told her, white girl, you can make some salsa. They said, it's white girl salsa. So that's how um, it got its name originally. White girl salsa. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. My name is Brad Todd. I'm the founder and designer of Habitat. There's a story behind everyone. There's a reason why they've got to this point. There's a reason why they're inspired to bring out this product or this service. What I love is really getting into that process and finding the story. And usually it's not very obvious because a client's just not going to come and tell you a story. You have to drill really deep and, and find it. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Habitat at hellohabitat.com. I have three out of four parents who are entrepreneurs. So I'm definitely immersed in it. When you're surrounded by entrepreneurship, I think it really influences and stimulates your thinking of, one day I'm going to build things. I would spend the summers with my dad, and I think he had a total of 17 different successful businesses throughout my time there in Hawaii. And so I was just exposed to that, you know, this is business, and the talk around the dinner table was about marketing and sales and things like that. And so even as a little girl, I would, you know, he had a retail store, I would bag the merchandise and then eventually I was old enough to work the cash register and then I would help close out the drawer at the end of the day and count the money. And so I just really grew up um, being involved in, in small business. I grew up with the same scenario of my mother and my father both being entrepreneurs. My father owned a trucking company and I would answer the phones on Saturdays. And always knew that there was this essence of business. And I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur and still sort of wake up a little bit shocked. I think it is training and, and understanding that it's not some magical, complicated thing. It's just there's a process to being an entrepreneur and people who have grown up with it are going to feel more comfortable. I'm really grateful for that experience because I do feel comfortable in that space and I always knew I wanted to own my own business. That was my ultimate goal. I moved to Colorado about, I guess, about 13 years ago. 
my dad moved to Boulder with my stepmom, Sheila. I call her my bonus mom because we have a great relationship. She had a business. I started working with her. Well, it's kind of complicated because my dad had a business at the same time. All the other franchisees wanted my dad's system. So Sheila and I took my dad's systems and developed them into materials that the other franchises could use. So we developed a lot of those programs. Knowing how to build the operations for a business before you go and then start your own business is highly, 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 highly good. Because usually it's the other way around. You have an idea, then you implement the vision and you do some market testing and you do validation and then you put the product out there in the world and then you have to figure out, oh, well now I have to build an infrastructure for me to operate this business according to a business model that is sustaining and, and functioning and has a possibility for growth. I feel like my dad and Sheila throughout my life, when I worked in the businesses, they would always stretch me. And I think Sheila had more faith in me than I would have put in myself. And she gave me a lot of responsibility. She's had to literally plug in and be operational, be communications, be sales, be marketing. So she has all those knacks kind of checked off. So now she's building Winking Girl Foods and she's thinking about all those things because she's just done them. When Julie had her daughter, she decided to take a year off from business. I had left Boulder and moved to Denver. I'd stopped working for my parents and I started my own business. So not the salsa business, a different business. I sold it to a competitor, stayed home with my daughter for about a year. And then, well, after about nine months, I was starting to get antsy to start doing something and knew I wanted to own my own business. I had been collecting business ideas. Anytime I had an idea, I would write it down. She had a bunch of business ideas. She did feasibility studies. I think I had five, six, seven different ideas. So I did many feasibility studies for each of the ideas. And Salsa was one of them. And here we are. <laughs> that was the winner. Julie has been making Salsa in her kitchen for like 17 years. It wasn't something I considered doing for all those years. I would just take it to parties and people would always say, this is the best salsa I have ever had. You should sell this. So after hearing that message over and over, you should sell this, you should sell this, you should sell this. She made that decision to say, all right, let's turn this into a business. Okay, it's time to make some goddamn salsa here. Once I made the decision of what I wanted to do, there was all kinds of pressure on myself to get it going and and get it started and... Julie's salsa business started while she was working at home in those hours she could grab when her daughter was sleeping. Chipping away, little by little, doing validation, doing research, reading, figuring things out. Well, it's definitely a balance because when you have a business, it's like another baby. <laughs> so you have these two beings that um, need attention and I really did not sleep much during that time frame because I, I really wanted to conserve cash for the business and not spend it on daycare. So from about that nine month old stage, I started doing that research and it was when she was napping or after I would put her to bed at night. A lot of other people would have just described that as like hella hard. I was aware that I wasn't living my, my life in balance. I was out of balance in terms of time for me and things like that. But I got so much out of being able to spend that time with my daughter and being able to spend the time on the business that that energized me to live off of not as much sleep as I normally, I, I couldn't do it today. I can't not sleep like I did then. And I knew it would be short-lived and, you know, she was only gonna be that age once, 
but I still had this desire to start the business and that just motivated me to do what had to be done to get it done. This eternal optimist says, you know, I'm gonna now take my salsa to market. Her first step was to take her salsa to farmer's markets. I do highly recommend farmer's markets as a way to launch local products because you get that instant feedback, you get your systems down, your sales pitch, um, the manufacturing timing and ordering materials and all of that kind of thing. So that was a great experience, the farmer's markets. Julie was personally involved in getting her salsa out there. I started that first summer and working farmer's markets is very labor intensive. It's tiring. I did the Frisco farmer's markets on Friday. I alternated between the Golden and Cherry Creek farmer's market on Sunday and then I paid someone to do the market I wasn't doing. I'm sorry, on Saturday. And then Sunday I did the City Park one and we did the Stapleton one. <laughs> so we really were out there, you know, um, getting the word out about the salsa and had such great feedback during that summer. And I was feeling good about the consumer acceptance, if you will, of the salsa and the name also. When I decided to go into business and start the salsa business, I realized, well, I make fresh salsa, and that's not the same thing that you buy in a jar. And I didn't want to sell fresh salsa because that just didn't seem like a good business decision to have spoilage. So Julie had to figure out how to make salsa that she could sell in a jar. Well, how the hell do I make this? Because I love clean ingredients. What I discovered is you have to heat it, cook it to 180 degrees, and then you jar it, and then that, that cooling process sucks the lid down and that forms the vacuum seal. Well, when you cook something to 180 degrees and you have to hold it at that temperature, it changes the flavors. So in my kitchen, I'm, I have a thermometer, I'm doing all these experiments, I'm having my friends taste the salsa, and everyone across the board said, this is not white girl salsa. It's not the same. So, and they didn't like it because they had had my fresh salsa. So what I did is I kept trying to tweak the recipe a little bit to bring out the more bright, fresh flavors. And then I found friends who worked in large offices. The girl who cut my hair let me... I put a jar of salsa and a bowl of chips and I made little surveys for people to fill out. How would you rank this salsa compared to other store-bought salsas? How likely would you be to purchase it? And any comments? The feedback was overwhelmingly great. I People said they would buy it over the current salsa they were purchasing. They loved the flavor. And so I was relieved because I thought my business idea was killed because nobody liked the salsa, but it was just the people who knew what the fresh salsa was like. So after doing that little bit of market research to make sure people liked the cooked version of it, um, that's when I really decided to move forward with the business. It is funny that I am in the food industry and that I own a food business. But cooking is really not my thing. It just kind of um, stresses me out. <laughs> you know, just having everything ready and then something's cooking faster than you want it to and the timing of everything. What Julie's good at is staying true to her strengths and her passion. Cooking is not my passion. Business is my passion. 
So I wanted to be spending my time on sales and marketing and business development and growth. You don't necessarily need to love food to be a food entrepreneur per se. She's clearly passionate about building the brand, about the market opportunity. And of course she loves the food. She loves the food. But it's also, but it's not. She's not a chef. She's just a real entrepreneur. Remember, the definition of entrepreneurship is growing beyond yourself. So she's smart and has been an entrepreneur and been around entrepreneurs for most of her life. So she is staying true to her, her deep expertise. And by scaling the business means you're staffing your weaknesses and you're allowing other people to come in and be experts at what they're good at and, and scale that puppy. Julia's great at outsourcing the work she doesn't want to do. I had hired a manufacturer to make the salsa for me because I had a baby and I didn't want to pay for her to be in daycare and then use my time in the kitchen making salsa. You want to build a product. Are you going to build it yourself or are you going to outsource it and find a partner who's going to do it? And there are a lot of options out there. And it's all about just making the choice and no right or wrong. You cannot go it all alone. But you can run lean. She's got a big company in a very lean way. I was feeling good about the consumer acceptance of the salsa and the name also. And I emailed Whole Foods asking about the process of how do you go about trying to get your product into Whole Foods. And I got an email back saying, just send me a copy of your label and if you have clean ingredients, I will approve it. And I remember my mom was visiting and I got this email and I stood up and I was walking around the room like, I can't believe that just happened. I, I've heard that it's so difficult. And so he clearly had tasted it at a farmer's market is what I think. Julie was the one taking her salsa out to stores, out to the public. When you get approved into Whole Foods as a new brand, you go store by store and you add them one at a time so you can handle supporting the demos and making sure that you're able to fill those orders and things like that. I was determined to, you know, have it just be really successful. So I personally did all the demos. I did four demos a week for four weeks as the launch. And demos are normally three hours. And I would stay for five or six hours. I was just so jazzed when I would see people walking through the aisles with a jar of my salsa in their cart. It was just such a great feeling. Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. I'm Lindsay Strickler. And I'm Rex Roberts. And we are co-owners of Steno. It's a different take on the Denver lifestyle. I think sometimes we have a hard time separating out work and life overflows and overlaps. But life is a balance of the formula and forget the formula and so is business. Five o'clock comes around, I am out. And if you're going to join me for that beer at Vine Street, awesome. You're still going to go to networking events before and afterwards, but we're more of that place where you can come and put your head down. Be productive and get shit done. I'm here to work. Thanks Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more at stenodenver.com. 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 We made the transition from white girl to winking girl. This transition that Julie had to go through from white girl salsa to winking girl foods, for some, for most, may have crippled them, may have ruined it, may have made them overthink things. Her business is at this inflection point. You've built all this infrastructure and all of a sudden you want it to just start to take off. I did start the company as White Girl Salsa. Obviously that's the name that had been given to the salsa and really stuck with all my friends and family. And it was 
to me, a tribute to my relationship with Mexican food and the family that I became so close to. As Julie started to grow, she realized White Girl wasn't necessarily a good fit for all the new products she wanted to introduce. I was talking to my sales team, and they said, how are you going to make the name White Girl work? White Girl wasn't going to last the lifetime of all the new products we were going to come out with. And me, being the eternal optimist, said, I'll figure it out. You don't worry about that. I'll figure something out. As I was thinking about how do I make the name White Girl work with all these products that I have that I would like to come out with? White Girl Salsa is, it's tricky because some people just are going to have something to say about it. As we became a national brand, very, very, very rarely, somebody might put something on Twitter like, this is offensive. But given the distribution we had, it was so little and the overall feeling about the name was positive. People just loved it and said, I'm going to take this to my girlfriends and show my friends. And so I think a lot of people related positively to it because we are the same, but we're different. And so there's a fun way to embrace those kinds of relationships. So we were still moving forward with the name White Girl. Julie then starts to realize that there's a little resistance around her name from her new distributors. We had some retailers feeling a little nervous about bringing White Girl in. More and more retailers were just unsure and they didn't want to take the chance. I have a, a goal in mind to grow this business and get it to a certain point. And if I don't have certain distribution, I will not get there. So Julie had to rebrand her company. It was kind of like graduating to the next level of business where I would be able to scale and get bigger with a name that would work for everyone and was more encompassing of all the products. Yeah, it is time. It's a good time. It's a good time to grow. It's a good time to change. This is what I love about her line of thinking. When she had what some may look at a like pivotal moment of change, she took it on, she didn't look back, she just went for it, and it turned out really, really positive. Changing the name of a company is not an easy task. It had to be tricky to think because it was solid. Like, you know, the Hispanic community named her. I knew if I ever had to change the name, I would want to call it Sassy Girl. So I made the decision to change the name. I went onto the patent and trademark site and Sassy Girl was taken. Now I have no idea what I want to do. What I call like Cowboy Girl Salsa or like Green girl salsa. Green girl. So weird. I like the cow. <gasps> Cowgirl. Cowgirl cow salsa. salsa. There you go. Boulder girl salsa. Boulder salsa. But like boulder. I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> Julie hired a consultant to help her find a new name. Hire this consultant. We go through all these exercises. She was great. And she really wanted to get to the essence of the personality of the brand. And we brainstormed all these different words that gave us certain feelings about the brand. I think we went through four or five names and it was killing me because the process was taking so long. And when you're going to change the name, you want to rip that Band-Aid off and get it done as quickly as possible because there's disruption. I had liked the name Winking Girl. It had been on my list from fairly early on. Winking Girl. Man, I like it. Mostly the, the consultant and other people weren't convinced. So I had my assistant put a wink over the existing logo's eye so everyone could kind of get the visual with it too to see how she looks in that new way. 
And the more work we did around it, more people came on board. She knew what the right decision was for her. And it kind of doesn't matter what the consultant says. It's like, hey, this is the right move for me. Thanks for all the feedback, which I've absorbed. And now I'm going to make a decision and we're going to go get business done. I just knew in my heart that it worked so well and it still started with a W. And so that would hopefully bridge that gap a little bit better. Winking Girl Foods is the beginning of the next phase of her company's evolution. When you're building a brand, it's very personal, especially at the beginning, right? You name it, you pick the logo. Your brand is very much tied to you as a founder. And I think it was, it speaks to Julie's entrepreneurial nature and her longtime understanding of how business works that she said, you know, White Girl Salsa was personal to me, but Winking Girl Foods is a business that I'm gonna grow. And so then again, it's not about you anymore because you gotta let the company become bigger than you are. White Girl Salsa, no more. Winking Girl Foods, the enterprise, coming at ya. It's, she's got this attitude and this personality and hey, we got this covered and let's have a good time. And it's so nerve wracking because you've had people associate you with one name and now you've got to train them to the new name and you wonder, will they get it? You know, will I lose brand loyalty? And Julie tells this great story about how people embrace the change and kind of made it their own cool debate. I was um, sitting at a coffee shop working at my computer and I have a skin on the back of my computer and it's, it has the logo. And this guy walks up and he says, hey, Winking Girl, can I sit down for a second? He said, so I was at this party and there was a jar of Winking Girl salsa and this big debate happened about white girl salsa versus winking girl. And everyone was wondering, was she winking when she was white girl or not winking? 50% of the people thought she was already winking and 50% thought that you made her wink. And I said, she was not winking. And he said, awesome, I'm so glad you answered that question. You know, I, I can't remember the white girl salsa with two eyes open. I like the winking girl. We'd like to thank P2BI for being a Women Who Startup sponsor. Kristen Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. So we launched the company in early 2012. I, you know, signed the incorporation papers and then it really took two years to, to, re to really get going because we needed enough capital to, you know, fintech businesses require a lot of investment. And, um, and so we've been lending money for just under two years. We'd like to thank PWI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pwi.com. So I'm in this place of, I can see the growth. I'm looking forward to that happening. But as so many businesses find themselves in this position of needing money, I'm exploring all these different avenues of how to get what I need. With all of this entrepreneurial background, she has never gone out and really raised serious capital, debt or equity capital. And it's an exciting time. There's a lot along the way that you do know, and there's there's huge pivotal moments of, fuck, I have, I've never done this before. I'm getting into that world of raising money and I don't know the lingo and I don't know how to present myself or my business to 
investors or lenders. Capital is the thing that is that is what enables you to scale your business. She's going to go out to market and think about who's the right person to invest in her business, how much is she going to need, how much of it should be equity, and how much of it should be debt, and just what's the right funding strategy that's going to allow her to realize her vision. I haven't done this. This is the one aspect of business that I've never touched, and that's raising money. And so I'm optimistic, but I'm nervous about it. It's that confidence and what I think a lot of people say about entrepreneurs may be a little crazy, but it takes the crazy ones and it takes the confidence and the gut checks. I don't know why I am that way, um, but the glass is not empty. It's almost full. <laughs> It's not even half full. It's almost full. And it will be full soon. So um, I, I really don't know why that's within me, but it is. And when something challenging happens, of course, I get frustrated and I, you know, I'll get mad. But it really passes by me quickly. I'm able to let things go and then say, okay, well, that's what happened. And so now what, now what do I need to do to improve that situation or make things better? Just this week, as we're recording this episode, she's got pretty much everything rocking and rolling for her new product launches. Pouches are being printed this week. The manufacturer's asking me, do you have the money? Do you have the money? And I kept saying, I will, I will. And I found out yesterday that Whole Foods is lending me the money. So it was a huge sigh of relief. And I knew in my heart that it would all come together and that it would happen. Okay, well, now what? Now what with Julie and now what with Winking Girl? Like, what the... F more, I need more! <laughs> I feel like the business is just at this major pivotal moment where we're on the springboard to just have a lot of growth. And that's my vision for the company, is to grow it aggressively. My God, I really think she could like be roaring. Because I was in Sprouts on Saturday, and I'm walking, I'm walking, what's staring at, blaring at me? <laughs> Winky Girl Salsa. So our website has tons of recipes of different dishes you can cook with the salsas. I'm really excited. I came out of today super inspired to start cooking with tons of salsa, which I've never done before, mainly because I'm Canadian and we don't really have <laughs> salsa in Canada. Thanks so much for listening to Women Who Startup Radio. We'd like to thank our team, our sponsors, P2B Investor and Steno Coworking Space, our producer, Aaron Bassidy, and our engineer and co-producer, Allison Wrights. At Women Who Startup Radio, we're writing women back into history by telling the stories of innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs it's time to put on those boots and keep climbing. Keep climbing is optimism. Don't look back. I make a decision and I go with it. I'm moving forward and I don't second guess and I don't look back, I don't look down. You can subscribe to Women Who Start Up Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. We love to hear your feedback and your stories. Rate us in iTunes and let us know what you think on Twitter at, at WW Startup Radio.